Good morning, wives who war. I pray that that, that that is your prayer. That you ask God to take you deep where your feet could walk up on the waters. <laughs> that is none other than my big sister, big little sister, um, Elder Daisha Moore. Um, Oceans, that is on her My Heart's Worship CD, available on Apple Music. Anyway, good morning. Happy fourth Monday of the month. Happy March 28th. Um, all of those things. I pray you all have an amazing weekend. For those of us that are in Northern California, I thank God for the rain. Um, so let's just jump in, right? So we've been dealing with spiritual warfare all um, month. And we're staying right there even on today. So, Father God, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify your name, God. God, my prayer is that in these next few moments that you would have your way. God, that as I go to open my mouth, you would speak through it, God. I know what I have planned, but God, I yield my plan for your plan. So, God, if your will is for something else to be manifested in the natural, God, have your way even now. God, we thank you for this morning, for this is the day that we've not seen, God, and we yet will rejoice and be glad in it. God, we thank you that you've given us breath in our bodies on today. And God, we ask that you would have your way in and through us. God, we are not of ourselves, but we are of you. So God, we yield to the Holy Spirit as we go about our day, we yield to the Holy Spirit. As we move about our house, we yield for the Holy Spirit, God. Move in us, move through us, order our steps on today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, thank God and amen. So this morning we're dealing with the weapons and the battleground. The weapons and the battleground. Um, the weapons which we must use and then the battleground on which the war is fought. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, three through five. For we walk for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. That's from the NAS version. Paul is saying we are living in the flesh, engaged in a war, but our war is not in the fleshly realm. Therefore, the weapons we use must correspond to the nature of the war. If the nature of the war were fleshly or physical, then we could use fleshly or physical weapons such as tanks, bombs, or bullets, right? But the war in which we are uh, engaged in and have been talking about is spiritual 
And in the spiritual realm, the weapons also must be spiritual. You cannot fight a spiritual war with um, uh, fleshly weapons. You must fight a spiritual war with spiritual weapons. Verse four says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction. For the, for, are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, fortresses, excuse me. Verse five says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we, and we are talking, are taking, excuse me, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Our weapons are appropriate to the war and we are dealing with fortresses. The King's James Version reads, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly or physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought of obedience of Christ. The New American Standard says fortresses and the King James Version says strongholds. The warfare is in the, in, it's in the spiritual realm, therefore the weapons are spiritual and appropriate to the realm of the warfare. These weapons uh, will be um, are what we're gonna talk about this morning, right? It is extremely important that we understand where the battle is taking place. Speaking of the battleground in, our, uh, in, in, in this scripture, Paul uses various words, right? We just read that. And in that, words like imaginations, reasoning, speculations, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. Every one of those words refers to the same particular realm, the realm of the mind. So think about it. We said we would talk about where the battle takes place. And the words for which Paul uses in reference in the scripture, words like imagination, reasoning, speculations, arguments, knowledge, and thought. Those words pertain to the mind. We must absolutely understand the battleground in in the realm of the mind is the very first thought, is the very first place that Satan is waging war on us. He's waging an all out war to captivate the minds of us, the human race, right? He is building strongholds and fortresses. Everybody knows what a fortress is, right? Tall trees, thick brush, things you can't see through and or maneuver through, fortresses. He is building 
strongholds and fortresses in our minds. And it is our responsibility as God's representatives to use our spiritual weapons to break down these strongholds, to liberate the minds of men and women and ourselves, and then to bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Satan deliberately and systematically builds strongholds in our minds. These strongholds and fortresses resist the truth of the gospel of the word of God and prevent us from being able to receive the message of the gospel. So what kind of strongholds does the Bible indicate What kind? In the English language, there are prejudices and preconceptions. Prejudice is being down on what you are not up on. In other words, if you know nothing about it, it's, it is sure to be wrong, right? Prejudice. Then it is, it is also dangerous. That word is also dangerous. Prejudice is also a very dangerous word. Here's another example of prejudice, which is contained in the famous statement. Don't confuse this with the facts. My mind is made up. That is a very prejudiced statement. When your mind is made up already in advance, no amount of facts, truth, evidence, or reason can change it. None. When you already have a preconceived notion, right? You come in with a bias. You come in with a prejudice. And basically you're saying my mind is made up and no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I'm not changing my thought. The devil is a lie. When a person's mind is already made up, and no matter what another individual does, only spiritual weapons can break down that particular stronghold. Only spiritual weapons. Because remember, the battle takes place in the mind. Takes place in the mind. Yeah. That's why it's important that we take every negative thought captive and pull it down, right? Pull it down in the, take it captive, pull it down, take it captive, pull it down and bring it into submission based on the word of God. A stronghold is something that blinds men's minds. Men's, not literally men, but women and men, men's 
minds so that the light of the gospel cannot shine in. When a person is in that condition, it is the worst. It is worse than use and then useless to argue, right? If you, can, if you can't argue with an individual self, come on, let's just be real about it. When you are in that place, the more you argue, the more they restate their error and the more firmly they are stuck in that thing. The only way to deliver such a person is to use spiritual delivery so that people can be set free. Strongholds are real. And the only way to combat them is with spiritual weapons. Spiritual weapons. You got to understand what your weaponry should look like. Your weaponry is your word of God. Your weaponry is the word of God that lays up on the line that have been written decades ago, but yet still hold true to today. That's your weapons, but you got to understand what it is you are fighting. Remember, the word of God tells us that we're not fighting a fleshly fight. We are fighting spiritual wickedness and you got to use spiritual weapons to fight spiritual wickedness. Here on earth, when we're fighting in the, in the natural realm, we can fight with guns, knives, right? military uh, uh, grade weapons. Yes, V, your weapon is in the word of God. It is written line upon line and precept upon precept. Those are your spiritual weapons. But you gotta understand which knife to throw based on what it is you're fighting, right? Which word, which knife can I throw? Which which, which which one can I release into the atmosphere that will cause things to change in my situation or in the situation for which I am battling in the spirit realm? The weapon of prayer. In order that we may assail and cast down Satan's strongholds, God has provided us with appropriate spiritual weapons. Second Corinthians 10 and four reads for the, again, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They are not carnal, physical, or material. They are not bombs, bullets, tanks, or war planes, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Yeah, that means Satan's fortress. In other words, God has provided us with spiritual weapons. Prayer is a weapon. Prayer is one of many weapons, but it is the ultimate weapon. Prayer is much more than a weapon. Matter of fact, because there are different, there are many different aspects to prayer. One being that prayer is a spirit, is a weapon of spiritual warfare. In Ephesians 6 and 18, after Paul listed the six items of defensive armor, he said, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's from the NIV version. 
He moved from the defensive to the offensive. It is no accident that that comes immediately after the list of the defensive armor. I'm sure, I'm, I, please pray. I'm praying that you understand what the defensive armor was, right? That your feet were, were covered, that you had on the breastplate of righteousness. That's the defensive armor. But then immediately he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayer and requests. He wants you to be covered from head to toe, but then he immediately says, even in your prayer armor, go into prayer. Because while you're covered, your words that you're releasing based on the word of God are shooting as bullets into the spiritual places for which the enemy has raised up a fortress, a, a, a place of strongholds in your mind. And the only thing that's going to bring it down, tear it down, shrink it, is you releasing the word of God out of your mouth. Yeah. An example of a prayer of attack is, is, is found in Acts 12, 1 and 6. There it talks about the church had come under persecution by King Herod. Uh, James, one of the leaders, had already been executed by uh, Herod. And now Peter was also arrested and was scheduled for execution shortly. And here is the situation. In verse one, it says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial right after the Passover. He would not do so in, in he would not do it during the Passover because that would have been considered uh, desecrating a holy period in the Jewish calendar. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Remember, here they are praying in the church and Peter is in the prison and he's being guarded by four squads of guards with four guards each. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Peter was in maximum security jail. And in here, in the natural, we would say he was in maximum security prison, right? He was over in San Quentin. He was at Pelican Bay. That's where Peter was. Herod was so determined that no one would rescue Peter that he had actually 
that he actually had four squads of four soldiers each watching him night and day, night and day, four times, four hours at a time. He was afraid that somebody was going to break Peter out of a maximum security prison. How many times have you heard somebody escape from Pelican Bay? How many times have you heard from somebody escaping from San Quentin? For those of you that don't live here in California, think about the maximum security prison in your state. How many times have you heard from somebody breaking out of there? And then think about Peter. That's exactly the same scrutiny uh, and guard that Peter was under. Four shifts, four uh, uh, soldiers, four policemen guarding his cell in four hour increments, morning, noon, and night, literally around the shift, uh, he, uh, around the clock, he was, he was protected because they thought something was going to happen. One of one soldier was chained either to Peter's hands or to his feet. In the natural, any kind of rescue was totally impossible. The church, however, was earnestly praying. When in a crisis, it adjusts our priorities. I know for me, when something bubbles up in my family, when something bubbles up into uh, on me, right, or in me, I immediately go to praying or I immediately begin to reach out for others to join me in prayer. That's what we do when we're in a crisis, when something has come up that we believe we don't, we don't have the power to handle on our own. Even in that though, I don't know how earnestly the church had been praying, but suddenly James had been snatched from them. Now they saw the danger of Peter, their natural leader being taken. And that motivated them enough to, to pray earnestly. They were not only praying in the daytime, but the record indicates that they were praying at night as well. And it's important to notice that there are times when merely praying in the day will not be enough. Jesus said in Luke 18 that God would avenge his own elect who cried unto him day and night. There is an intensity in prayer that is sometimes needed to release God's intervention. I need you to catch that. There is an intensity in prayer that is sometimes needed to release God's intervention in your situation. Jesus had given a promise to Peter in John's 21, 18 and 19. 18 reads, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lend you where you do not want to go and lead you, excuse me, where you do not want to go. Verse 19 says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. 
Can you imagine whether or not Peter was meditating on the promise in the prison? Jesus said, when you are old, at that time, Peter was not yet an old man. He must have reasoned something was going to happen to cause the word of Jesus to stand and to stand it did, but it took the prayer of the church to make it effective. God answered the prayer of the church by sending an angel to deliver Peter. That's found in Acts 8 and 8 through 11. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. God answered the prayers of the church by supernatural intervention through an angel. However, the deliverance was only the first part of the result of the, of the church praying. He must also see the second part, which was a judgment by an angel on the persecutor King Herod himself. Verse 19 reads, and we're gonna get from here. Verse 19 says, after Herod had a thorough search made for Peter, and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to uh, Caesarea and stayed there for a while. Verse 20, he had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king. They asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. Doesn't that sound like exactly what's happening right now? Think about Ukraine and Russia. They asked for peace because they depended upon the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat at his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. In other words, they flattered Herod by calling him a God. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. Now, quickly, prayer works, and it worked in that situation as a weapon of attack. Prayer broke through in the heavenlies and released the intervention of angels. 
prayer broke through in the heavenlies and released the intervention of angels. I know for a fact that I need my prayers to break through in the heavenlies and release the intervention of angels on my behalf and on the behalf of those that I am connected with. Prayer is a weapon and it is a powerful weapon. You have got to open up your mouth and release the word of God as a prayer and watch God's angels go to work on the behalf of you as you open up your mouth. Here's what we must understand, that the promises of God's word are not a substitute for our prayer. They provoke our prayer, and it takes our prayers to make the promises of God's word effective in the spirit. It also takes our prayer to release the intervention of angels on our behalf. The scripture says that angels are ministering spirits sent forth for our benefit, but they do not come as a rule until we pray through. By our prayers, we release that intervention of angels, which is God's answer. Bear in mind that prayer breaks through Satan's kingdom in the heavenlies and releases divine angelic intervention. Father God, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify your name, God. This morning, Lord God, we release the prayer of intervention, God, and we call forth the angels to ascend and descend, and we ask that the angels would begin to make intervention on our behalf in, in the spirit realm. God, we call forth, Father God, the angels to break through in Satan's kingdom in the heavenlies and release, God, divine angelic intervention on our behalf in the name of Jesus. God, we come against every plot, every scheme, every trick of the enemy, and we call it void of its power. We release the fire of God to burn away the fortresses to burn away the strongholds that have been built up in our minds in the name of Jesus. And God, while the fire of God is falling, while the fire of God is on us, God, we ask that you would burn away everything that is in us that is not of you, God. Burn away the spirit of, of lust, God. Burn away the spirit of, of suicidal thoughts, God. Burn away the spirit, Lord God, of flesh, Father God, that is bubbling up on the inside that you told us to mortify, to kill the flesh on a daily. God, we're asking you to burn it away, Lord God. Every thought, Father God, that is not of you. God, we pull it into subjection now to the obedience of Christ in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for what you are doing in and through our lives. For eyes have not seen and ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men. God, the things that you have laid up in store for us in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you, Father God, for this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. God, we thank you, Lord God, that even now, as we are praying openly, Lord God, that you're beginning to do some things in the spirit realm on our behalf. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would begin to sweep
speaking wide doors of opportunity, Lord God. God, allow somebody to use their power, their authority, and their influence on the behalf of us and on the behalf of those that we are connected with. Satan, the Lord God rebukes you. You have no power and you have no authority. We command you to lose your hold off of our children. We command you to lose your hold off of our marriages. We command you to lose your hold off of our finances. In Jesus' name, we will not lack any good thing and no good thing will God withhold from us in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for the teaching of the word. God, we thank you that the word will not fall on deaf ears. God, we thank you that the word that has went forth on this morning has fallen on fertile, fertile ground. God, you said that some, some plant, some water, but that you would bring the increase. So Lord God, on this morning, we're asking you to bring the increase on today, God. And first, allow the increase to come within my family. God, save every one of them. God, save my children. God, save my nieces and my nephews. God, save my grandchildren, Lord God. God, we're praying that you would save our families in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Save them, Lord God. Save them from themselves. Save them from the hand of the enemy. We annihilate the plans, the thoughts, the schemes, the tricks, the holes that the enemy has plotted out against us. We blow them up in the spirit realm on this morning. Yeah. We blow them up in the spirit realm this morning. And we watch in the spirit realm as they disintegrate and fall. And God, we thank you that you are backfilling the holes. That you are undoing the plots and the schemes and the tricks. God, we love you, that you are no respecter of person, God, and what you have done for one, you will do for another. So God, we trust you. God, we'll lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways, we will acknowledge you for you will direct our path. And God, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do no longer have to fear for you are with us. You are our rod. You are our staff, God. God, you are the light into our pathway. So God, lead us. Lead us. Wherever you call us, God, we'll go. God, bid us to come. We'll walk. God, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify your name, God. And we seal this prayer in the blood of Jesus. For the blood still works. The blood still saves. The blood still delivers. The blood still heals. The blood never loses its power for it reaches to the highest of mountains and it flows to the lowest of valleys. God, we thank you that the blood shall never lose its power. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen. Hallelujah. It's not. 